You're listening to the Sprues and Brews podcast, your weekly podcast looking at all things Warhammer. Hello and welcome to episode 152 of the Sprues and Brews podcast. My name is Dave and I'm joined once again by Matt. Hello. And Andy. Hello everyone. Uh, Jay is off on his hollybobs this week, so uh, so no Jay. I believe he's back for next week though, isn't he? I believe he is. Yeah, he's a bit of a part timer on this podcast. Then um, these, these he last is. few weeks, shocking, hey? <laughs> How dare he have uh, in real life commitments? Um, anyway, on this week's show, we're going to be talking about Warhammer Plus because it's now live. Uh, everybody could subscribe to it. Um, I think between us, we've watched slash seen all of the content. I think, guys. Um, So we're going to have a bit more of a discussion about that later on. Uh, We're also going to be talking about the uh, raft of FAQ changes that have recently dropped over on the um, Warhammer community website, uh, including, yes, changes to the Pink Horrors War Scroll, because it wouldn't be an FAQ without a change to the Pink Horrors um, War Scroll card. Um, I think, I mean, Matt, you're the chaos god among us. Although, Andy, I think you're actually quite close to his crown, but not quite. Um, it, I'm right in saying that, that, that Pink Horrors must have gone through like a million War Scroll changes. Well, I think it's only the third one, to be fair. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, feels like more than that. Uh, it, feels, it feels like more than that to me. But there you go. I'm not a Chaos player. Uh, we're also going to be talking about our top three models that we're most proud of uh, as part of this week's top three. So they could be models that we've really particularly fond of how we painted them or converted them or maybe they've done really well in a battle. <coughs> excuse me or battles tournaments perhaps and um, we'll be reading out the community top three picks towards the end of the show before we get into all of that though let's talk about what we've been doing in the hobby this week so andy do you want to start us off sure um wow where do i begin um so anyone who tuned in for the hobby stream last night on twitch and youtube will have seen me building orcs so last week i took a trip just after we finished the podcast, I took a trip up to Warhammer World, uh, not Warhammer World, Element Games. Um, so I popped in and I thought to myself, you know what, I haven't done in a very long time. It's walked into a place and bought a whole army in one go. <laughs> so I walked in, bought myself roughly a thousand points of orcs um, for 40k. Amazing. And decided that I would give myself about two weeks to get it all built all primed and up to a battle ready standard so we are what day five now day six and everything is built apart from the truck or so sorry i should probably talk about what's my list so i've got a war boss two units of knobs a unit of mega knobs pain boy 10 gretchen three killer cans truck and a battle wagon so the only thing that isn't built at the minute is the truck um, I've managed to find some Imperial Knight bases that I had lying around, and the battle wagon that I've got just about fits on it. Just about fits on it. And um, having seen Matt's orc truck, um, I know that the orc truck will fit onto the Imperial Knight base. Um, mm-hmm. So this last week I've been building, manically building, basically the whole army and just planning out how i'm gonna paint it um i think the next stage is to get all the bases on all the models magnetized and then i can sort of put them 
uh, in my army case and and take them to Warhammer World and then that is like all of the bare minimum stuff I need to do for our trip to Warhammer World done nice. um, and then it's just going to be a case of getting everything primed and getting some paint on it but the vehicles and the killer cans and the mega knobs and stuff I've, I've, I'm just going to spray them lead belcher and then that's a decent amount of those models done to a certain extent but then looking at the war boss and all the knobs and the pain boy and stuff a large majority of those models are actually armor plates or metal Mm -hmm. so i've got a sneaky sneaky idea where i might just spray them all lead belcher and that gets what i imagine to be the worst part of painting orcs done Mm -hmm. so then after that it's going to be a case of going over the boots and the trousers and the shirts and then the skin, and then it's just going to be little details. And any paint that I get on the metallics, at the end, once I've done all the other base coats, I can just go over with one paint and reapply the silver to any areas that I've got paint on with the lead voucher, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking that's how I'm going to go about painting them. But like I said, for the for our trip to Warhammer World and oh God of time of recording it's what like nine days but realistically i've only got eight closer to seven um <laughs> in in seven days i'm hoping just to to get them primed um or magnetized and uh, a few base colors on them basically just to try and get them done but yeah long story short i've been building orcs a lot of orcs <laughs> excellent yeah i'm liking the progress you've made on them uh, and I think once we, you've had a few games at Warhammer World as well, you're going to want to go home and get some paint, like, properly on them. Um, especially, like, if your war boss, like, stomped through Matt's army, you're going to really want to give him a, a full coat of uh, paint. Yeah, I've already seen... I mean, we've seen the um, Combat Patrol box, um, so I'm already planning my 2,000-point Orc army. It's, um, I think it's the best Combat Patrol box on the, mar- on the market, um, I think. Yeah, it's definitely up there. I mean, everything in there you're gonna want multiple multiples of, apart from maybe the war boss. But even yeah. then, the war boss you can convert it into a a knob in mega armor or something along those lines. You know, the stuff mm-hmm. you could do with it. So excellent. Um, well, I um was also on the the painting stream last night, and I was carrying on painting Kragnos. So uh, he's obviously a, a big boy. I had hoped to do a bit, you know, him to have him finished by now, really. But uh, I'm taking my time uh, and he, he is slowly getting there. Um, so on the stream last night, I finished his skin. I went over and did all the metallic stuff, lead belcher. I've done his mane, like his hair and uh, his tail, um, quite a nice red. Uh, and I've done um, the normal fur that's around him. So left to do, I've still got his like his hooves. I've still got to do the sort of kind of turquoisey bits over the lead belcher. Um, I've got to finish some bits off on, on like the hair and the horns um, and some dry brushing and stuff. But he should, excuse me, he should hopefully be done. I say hopefully um, by next weekend, I think. Yeah, but I'm really cool. happy. So he's, he's coming along really well, Dave. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really, really, really proud of him. Um, I think by the time he's finished, he'll be... Um, one of the best models I've painted, I think. That's my that's my hope anyway. 
Um, I hope I, I hope I do him justice. Um, so yeah, can't can't wait to finish him off. Um, and aside from that, I've um, not really been doing much else in the hobby this week. I've kind of been planning my scheme for my um, tomb keepers. So I. When Imperium, when the, when the mega magazine starts landing on my door, because obviously I'm, I'm subscribed, um, that's how I'm going to paint my Space Marines. So I've got a couple of schemes in mind. I want to try and find one that's quite quick and easy. Um, I don't quite know if they're going to be the cream kind of dirty cream that they are in actual White Dwarf. I might do something quite similar, but not the same. Um but yeah, really looking forward to starting on those. And the only other thing um, that I've got out to do this week uh, that I need to do before we go to Warhammer World is I've got some mortals to build and paint. Um, I'm not too worried about painting them. I know I can do a couple. I know I can do a, a unit of five Necrons in two nights because I did it for Indomitus. Um, but I, I've got a feeling they might be a little bit fiddly to build from what I've read. I don't know if you've ever built any immortals, Matt. Have I built Immortals? No, I haven't. I haven't, to be honest. Mm. Now, obviously, some of those older Necrons are a little bit fiddly compared to the current stuff. Yeah. Uh, just the way they go together. But yeah, I'm sure you have no issues with them. Yeah, I'm sure I'll be I'll be fine. So uh, looking forward to getting them built and painted before the, the ninth. So I've got uh, my thousand points. Because my, my, my thousand points that I'm taking to Warhammer World to face off against your orcs uh, andy and i don't think you've decided what you're taking yet have you matt no i i, th- I think it's probably going to be uh bellicose legion so word bearers and demons Ooh, cool. cool 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 so my my current list has 35 points to spare so i don't know if i want to maybe purchase an upgrade or two or add some more scarabs but i've currently got an overlord a royal warden the chronomancer is my hq i've got a unit of five immortals and two units of 10 necron warriors as my troops I've got a unit of three Scorpec Destroyers, a unit of six Scarabs, and a Doomsday Arc to finish off. Um, and that's 35 points shy of a thousand. So I think that's around about the list I'm gonna be I'm gonna be taking along to, to Warhammer World. Uh, and I think Jay's taking um Great Axe. Great Axe, I think, yeah. So that should be pretty good. Uh, look so what, to... what we'll probably what we'll probably look to do is Crusade, so that makes it mm. easier for list building as well, doesn't it? Fifty power. Yeah, absolutely absolutely cool um matt what have you been up to in the hobby this week so i've had a pretty uh productive week really i mean over the last two days i've painted 700 points of stormcast so wow. as we know the uh the new stormcast battle team is on the horizon sadly it's probably next month now rather than this month with uh pre-orders in september um um, but you know it gave me an opportunity to get the guys done and ready for you know obviously we want to do a battle report won't we, when the books come out so i wanted to have two thousand points ready to face off against your Uruk, and um basically take the contents of dominion add an extra unit of annihilators because they're amazing make the unit of praetors into a unit of six to make sure that um Indrasta never dies and uh, take another 10 man blob of um, vigilators, are they? Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, vigilators. So, um, so, yeah, all that lot plus the contest of Dominion comes to exactly 2,000 points. So, uh, it might not be the most tailored list in the world, but it is technically a list of containing just new stuff that I can then add into some of the the shiny new kits when they come out so yeah pretty happy with them they've um they've come along nicely the the longest bits getting the gold up so 
I like to have, for the for the Stormcast. I like to have a really really shiny over the top gold. Uh, so basically, I spray it retributor gold, do a soft watch, uh, soft wash of Reichland flesh shade. Then I do a more kind of concentrated wash that I mix up from uh, Rhinox mixed with black, mixed with um, a load of medium to make it into a wash, and put that into like all the shadow areas, and then start glazing up using uh, using gold. Lots and lots of layers of auric armor gold. Again, put into a glaze and slowly brought up because then you get a nice transition to it rather than it being like a, a sharp highlight. Mm-hmm. And then to finish it off, do a highlight of auric armor mixed with uh, Stormhost silver just to give it a bit of a nice sheen on the edges of them. So that took the longest bit. That was pretty much all of yesterday. And then today's been a bank holiday. So I've got down all the other base colors highlighted them up and i just really need to do the bases which i should have done last night but after the podcast i can stick some sand on and then after work tomorrow i can paint the bases and they'll be done so yeah really happy with that excellent yeah they um they look fantastic i mean i've played against your stormcast a couple of times now can't wait to see um the rest of your army finished and uh, of course on the horizon get some dragons as well absolutely i um and i i I would be very interested in doing an entirely dragon army. I think that's no secret. So yeah, eager to see what you can do of a list of dragons. Yeah. Um, and also managed to have a game of Warhammer with Andy as well. So oh, of uh, it was it was a fun one. We had my um, corn army with uh, Vorgrath and Scarlock, the score host of corn, out of retirement, as we'll see in the news a little bit later on, uh, fighting against the sons of Bayamat. Uh, and I, we were we were chatting. I think it's the first time I've used that model since the um, Throne of Schools that I took it to and, and somehow managed to come third, uh, which we worked out was like the weekend before the new Blades of Corn book came out, which is a long time ago now. Uh, yeah, it was it really is. fun to it was really fun to use it again. It is it's it's very very strong. I think we worked out it can put out over a hundred damage a turn. But, it's very strong. <laughs> but he's only got 30 wounds. I mean, you, uh, arguably in third edition, it's better because you can reliably get it on a two plus save. You can heal it up every turn. Um, on the other hand, though, if you lose it, that's essentially your army gone because all you can really afford in the rest of army is a few piddly little squads of blood reavers who unfortunately aren't the, aren't the greatest at the minute. Uh, and then the the character support, I've got the um, Blood Secretor, whose single job is to give the dragon even more attacks, uh, Slaughter Priest to give it a 2 plus save, and a uh, Shrine to heal it and give it a 6 plus ward save. So as the army is pretty much built around keeping that dragon alive, if the dragon does die, then it's probably game over. Hopefully by that point you've got enough points to get a lead, but... Uh, you know, I'm not into super competitive Warhammer. I just like throwing a big dragon around and going rah at things, which it did. It's it, all it, practice it, for a dragon army. This is it exactly, and and it, it had quite a kill tally. It chomped its way through what three, four? No, did it kill all the mega gargants? Yeah, it killed all the mega gargants, and then I think, if I remember right, he killed one of the little gargants. Yeah, he took it down to a wound with its breath attack. And then I want to say something else finished it off. I think it was charging into combat, doing mortal wounds or something on the charge. Something like that finished yeah. off the little one. But then in turn two, it one-shotted the Kraken Eater, 
Um, and then I charged in both the Gatebreaker and the War Stomper. And I think I took you down to what, like 12 wounds, something along those lines? Yeah, I, 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 I was looking a bit ropey. And if you'd have managed to fight again, you'd have probably been dead. Yeah, it, there was, um, I think it was, yeah, it must have been turn two, mustn't it? Uh, one of my little man crushers charged a unit of Blood Reavers um, and wiped them out, which gave you the, um, the fourth Blood Tithe point, which um, lets a, is it a Blades of Corn unit fight in the hero phase. Yeah, and it's so, any hero phase as well. Yeah. And and that that sealed the deal going into turn three, wasn't it? Because even if I had one priority, you would have been able to attack again. And I think he took uh, the war stomper down to about 14 wounds and then like a wound or two off the gatebreaker. But because he was able to attack in the hero phase, he killed off the war stomper and then in the combat phase killed off the gatebreaker. So, yeah. I mean, both armies are in a similar sort of mindset of, you lose two or three models, and that's most of the army gone. But especially with the dragon, like you said, if you lose the dragon, it's you haven't really got a lot left on the list, have you? No, um, it was it was good fun though. Um, the the uh, prayer did surprisingly well as well. Uh, yeah. I forget what it's called. It's um, the wrath axe or something, I think it is. Yeah. And now this might be down to interpretation, but it looks like once it goes off. You, it's a like most mortal wounds. It does a couple of mortal wounds. Think it passes, and then you pick a unit and roll the dice. One, nothing happens. Two to five, it does D three mortal wounds, and then six, it does D six mortal wounds and disappears. So, it, it depending on what you're fighting, you're probably quite happy at pinging around just doing D three mortal wounds, because um, yeah. then you'd have to recast it. Yeah, I after our game um, playing with that. That's one thing that's missing for my Blades of Corn army is the uh, the judgments. So it might be one for uh, our trip to Warhammer World. Yeah, excellent. Add it onto that shopping list, Andy. I know. I've added Kragnos on as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting expensive now. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent stuff. Well, that's what we've been up to in the hobby this week. We still have plenty to get through on this week's podcast. So we're going to take a pause and we'll be back with the news. So what do we have in this week's news, Matt? Well, we have got pre-orders, and surprisingly not for the Stormcast and Uruks, I'm afraid. We have, Ooh. however, got Orcs, 40k Orcs. So we kind of suspected that if the AOS stuff was delayed, the uh, the Orcs would be out pretty soonish, because we know that they want to put out the uh, Black Templars launch box this month as well. And yeah, it is wave one of two, it looks like, of, uh, of the new Orc stuff. So Codex Orcs, £30.00. Um, we've done a bit of a first impressions post over on the website when the launch box came up. We'll be following that up with a full in-depth review uh, to go up on Saturday when the box up for pre-order. Uh, the Beast Snagger Boys from the launch box are also available separately. They are £31.50 for 10 which is kind of what I thought they would be. Um, the Squig Hog Boys from that same box are 36 50 What's interesting with these is that you get the three Squig Hog Boys and you also get the knob on Smasher Squig as well. That's cool. So that's, oh, that's wow. pretty good for 3650 to be fair. Because I know a lot of people have been selling that knob for like 25 quid on eBay. I was going to say, he's probably worth like 20 quid if he was separately, if not 25. Yeah. So I quite I quite like how they've packaged that. And um, a, a, for a single um, elite 
I believe he is. I remember he's a fast attack slot. For a single slot, you can have two of them. And you can build two distinct models from the kit as well, which is cool. So I'll probably be running six Squig Hog Boys because you know, Squigs, aren't they? So, uh, yeah, I'll definitely be picking up another box of them. Uh, Zod Grog Warts Nugget is 2650 as well. So he was the character out of that box. So all in, um, to be fair, if you were using the Beast Naggers and the, the Squig Hogs, probably would have been worth picking up another one of those boxes and selling the Codex. Um yeah. But the yeah the individual prices are not too bad, especially for the Squig Hog Boys. I think that's pretty reasonable. Uh, the new Beast Boss is also up for pre-order. This guy looks amazing. He's very I don't know AOS Uruk to me. Yeah, he's very I, feral. I want an Orc army just so I can buy this guy. <laughs> you could you could just buy him and paint him up, Dave. I probably will just buy him. I probably will buy him and pick him up just to paint him out because he is incredible. He is really good. He is uh, £23.50, which is about the game rate for a character model, uh, which is pretty cool. And we've also got the Boss Bunker, which is the big scenery piece. This is a bit more pricey at £40. So, yeah, it looks really cool. Though It's essentially a Gargan's head, so that's pretty cool. Uh, I'd get it. I'd get it just for some scenery. I was, um, I've been looking at the Necron range, and I, I'm thinking the same for the Convergence, uh, oh, yeah. whatever they're called. Just use them as like bit, bits of terrain, even if you don't pay the points for them in, in game. Yeah, well, I, mean, this, I mean, with the with the with the workshop, plus the shanty town out of Kill Team, plus the 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 boss bunker, you've probably got enough scenery for a forty k table. Yeah, I was going to say it goes that the boss bunker goes really well with all that Kill Team scenery as well. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, at some point I might pick up another set of those as well. But, yeah, it's really good that there's all this orc scenery coming out. It's uh, it's really fun. An interesting one that we've got for pre-order is the Battle Wagon. So this has been reboxed and packaged it with the upgrade sprue that has the Death Roller. What's not so great here, though, is that the price has increased to £60. It was previously mm. £45 for a Battle Wagon. Oof. And I believe the upgrade sprue is £8 when I bought mine. Yeah, this is a bit of a sore spot for me because I've just recently bought a battle wagon and it wasn't until the um, announced this week's pre-orders that I, I realised it didn't come with a death roll or a cannon in it. Yeah, Which, um, £60, um, yeah. £60 is a lot for that kit though. We, uh, you know, uh, they could have just thrown in the upgrade sprue really, couldn't they? But It's an old yeah. kit, isn't it? It is, but uh, it's, an, it's a good kit. It's a good kit, but £60 is a lot now for it. Uh, the final kit coming out with this lot is the new Combat Patrol that Andy mentioned earlier. This is a really cool-looking kit with a few caveats. So it comes with a Death Dread, old kit but still stands up. comes with three Death Copters, the new uh, Mega Boss in Mega Armor, and it comes with 20 of the new Orc Boys. Revealed on Warhammer Community today, though, those Orc Boys are actually Push Fit and Monopose. Yeah, so, can't choose to have a squad armed just with uh, shooters, for example. You come with what comes with the, mo- the kit, which means you can have a bit of a mixed unit. Now, some people have grumbled about this a little bit. Yeah, I, I was looking at it today and I noticed that there's um, seven orcs of shooters. And then if you throw in the knob and the, uh, like a guy with a big shooter or a rocket, that's only nine guys. So, yeah, it's going to be mixed with shooters and choppers which is a bit strange, to be honest with you. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't. If they're going to do that, just do five and five or something. Um, now, 
obviously if you're good with a hobby knife you might be able to convert them up a little bit if you've got some spare orc bits but um yeah you can have a mixed unit otherwise now i do wonder looking at this are the are the other bits bar the death dread also push fit like the new the new uh boss in megarama feasibly could be as could be those death copters which puts it in a similar place to the uh the sisters of battle launch box kits and mm. the um the slaves to darkness start collecting kit which was entirely push fit as well yeah maybe so we have an issue with push fit models uh, it's a bit I, i'd i'd have gone like pistol and chopper for my orc so there's gonna be a few in there that aren't ideal loadout for what i'd want but um not the end of the world but it is frustrating if you are wanting to have a particular build for them so just bear that one in mind other than that though it's you know it is a really good price for the uh, for the set interestingly the old orc boys are still available at the moment and normally they tend to disappear off the website if they're getting replaced so i do wonder if they sell them side by side for a while yeah they probably just have so many of them don't they that they'll just sell them until they're gone yeah well yeah, I mean, or or they they keep selling alongside them for people who want to do different loadouts. Yeah, yeah. So so yeah, and then we get the usual dice and cards and all that kind of stuff as well. So yeah, fairly hefty release. Uh, all the all the really tasty stuff I think is going to be the following week, like the uh, the kill rig and the uh, the great white squig. Really mm. excited to see them. Yeah. Uh, we also got a little bit, a little bit of Warhammer Underworlds news. So obviously the the, the last season has, has been and gone. We've had all the warbands, some really really cool models. You've painted some of these as well, haven't you, Dave? I have. And they were really nice models. We haven't actually managed to have a game of this season yet because of you know COVID and everything. We should get on that before the new season comes out. Yeah, uh, we really should. But we saw the first the first warband, who's presumably going to be in the starter set for um, fifth edition. And these are Da Cunning Claw. This is a Cruel Boys warband that has two hobgots, and we saw one of them today, uh, Gikit. Uh, yeah, he looks pretty cool. He's kind of like a slaver, isn't he? He kind of ties in with the the um, Chaos Dwarf kind of vibes with the, the hobgrots. And something we've seen on a few of the, the hobgrot models for the, the wider Cruel Boys range as well, like the the weird kind of like sloth troll thing that like you don't really like dave they're yeah. they're slavers aren't they they're, they're catching people to take they away are. yeah so um yeah that's that's quite fun presumably i mean we don't know any details but i'm going to guess that the uh the, the starter box is going to be um cruel boys versus um thunderstrike armor stormcast, stormcast. that's yeah. what i put my money on anyway yeah Back to Stonecast being in the starter box for Underworlds after the how much we um, how much I said that there was going to be Stonecast in the last one um, <laughs> and there wasn't. Nope. But uh, you know that that probably will be for this one and they're probably going to be in the awesome Thunderstrike armor. You know what I'd like to see for this season a Sons of Bayamat Warband, which is just a single man crusher. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. It would be a cheaper way of getting uh, a man crusher, I suppose. It would be, yeah. Would he, would he be stood on one foot so he could get on a smaller base? Like a, a man crusher, like, on one foot? Well, they could do. They could give him a special rule where they have to take up multiple hexes. That's true. You could do that. It'd be funny to see one on one foot, though. It would be. It would be. I don't think it's going to happen, but uh, I'd like to see that. So, yeah, and that's, that's really all the news that we've had this week. It's been a 
a, a quiet-ish one. It doesn't surprise me, though, because we have had a lot of stuff revealed and shown off, haven't we, um, just recently. So I'm not surprised we've had a little bit of a quiet. I wasn't expecting the Underworld reveal today, to be honest. Um, that kind of came out of absolute, absolutely nowhere. But um, Well, every Monday, every Monday they seem to show off stuff on, on Warhammer Community. So it wouldn't surprise me over the next few Mondays we might start to see more details of it in the uh, run-up to release. Cool. So that wraps up this week's news offerings. We still have our top three, community top three, and a chat about uh, Warhammer Plus to come. But for now, we're going to take a pause, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about the latest FAQs. So this week, we had the latest FAQ for Warhammer Age of Sigma for the new edition. And a lot of people have been excited to uh, to see the, the clarifications, any rule tweaks that they've done, and it's fair to say I think there's been quite a few changes across the uh, the armies in this. Now it's worth pointing out that not every army did get an FAQ, which could give us a bit of a hint into maybe battle terms that are in the near future. Flesh Eater Courts, Eidoneth, and Nighthaunt didn't get any update, and to be fair, they are older battle tomes. Interestingly, the Luminous Realm Lords also didn't get an update, so could Luminous Book 3 be on the horizon? Oh, or, imagine that. Flipping or has it. it just been missed, maybe? I, I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me, because, you know, as, as Jake keeps saying, you know, we've got Tyrion and a whole other um, temple of elves that we haven't seen yet. Uh, I don't think people would be happy with three books in three years, though. Um, so yeah, but all the other factions got FAQs. We also saw uh, some Warhammer Legends stuff put in there as well. So the Legion of Asgore, the Chaos Dwarves, got returned into the game with with a Warhammer Legends uh, rule pack. So for Warhammer Legends, essentially, they're not designed for tournaments. They're, they're, they're more a way of you being able to use your old armies after they've been discontinued. So in friendly games, and as long as you've got your opponent's permission, it's absolutely fine. They're not going to get any more updates following this. So this will be their final kind of like rule set. Tamerkan's Horde also got this, which is cool because I've got a Tamerkan's Horde army and uh, I'm, I'm not worried about it being super, you know, super competitive. Uh, we also got Warhammer Legends rules for a host of old monsters that you can't buy from uh, Forgewood anymore as well. So this is one of the few criticisms we had at launch was that a lot of the old Forgewood kits didn't have rules anymore which um which was a bit of a shame wasn't it it was and it, it seemed like a bit of an oversight like you would think they'd have that ready at launch yeah well, for, for, for models that they can't buy anymore I, I i kind of thought okay fair enough you can't actually buy them but it's nice that they've added back in support for those what they've also done though is updated the compendium monstrous arcana with new updated profiles and points for all the kits that you can currently buy from Forge World, which means Vorgrath is back in business, hence the game that we had the other day. Uh, the the Morngull from the Nighthaunt, the Rogue Idol, the Colossal Squig, all that kind of stuff has got rules profiles again, which is really good because that, that I think, was possibly an oversight, Dave, because it was a bit of a shame that out of the gate we didn't have rules for all this stuff. And a, yeah. few, a few people were a bit upset that, you know, people had put, you know, quite a bit of money and time into painting up those models. And it's a shame to not be able to use them in the new edition. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been tempted by the Rogue Idol for ages. Then to find that there's no actual rules for it, I was like, ugh, ugh. 
it's a bit yeah will i ever buy one it's um so what i'd i'd speculated that it's, this could be a physical release coming out at some point so i'm happy that it's a free pdf that's mm. uh that's a much better option personally so yeah so that's that's really fun and then other than that all the all the um, battle tomes got some updates the big one really was the core rules clarifications. So we're not going to cover everything, but just kind of cover the, the main bits as well. One thing that was called out is um, some clarity on the ability to issue commands without the command being issued, which we read to think that, OK, you can still issue that command to a different unit because the command hasn't been issued. Nope, you still can't do it again. The only thing that it frees you up on doing essentially is the uh, it doesn't cost you any command points and then the the person issuing the command and the person receiving the command don't count as having received them so you could double stack it with another command mm, um, okay. but the only thing that's really changed though is that you can't use that command again that phase so okay that's pretty cool and um, we saw some clarity on unleash hell and redeploy and uh, not being able to be used in the same turn I mean, that's uh, that. I'd, I can't think of any situations where that would be possible because you can only issue one command to a unit anyway. Mm. Unless in the future, units might be able to issue commands with, again, similar sort of thing where they might be able to do a command ability for free or something along those lines. Yeah, without the command Maybe. being issued, in which case there'd be a valid target. Yeah, so yeah, it's ruled out, so you can't move them and shoot, so that's fair enough. One weird one, which has technically always been in the rules, but kind of made it stand out, is the fact that units can end a move halfway up the side of a wall or terrain feature. <laughs> which, it, it makes sense. If you've got a big, fancy, elaborate sculpted board with a big tower, and you've got a unit of Luminous, oh, I'll pick on the Luminous because Jay's not on this week, unit of Luminous Sentinels on the top of that tower, if you could not walk up that wall, you'd never be able to get them, and they'd just mortal wound you all day. So this yeah. means that you can send things up the wall. You've got, just got this weird abstract situation where something can technically end its move halfway up it. Mm. Uh, it also makes life easier for things like Vorgrath, for example, that he can just like clamber across terrain and stuff now. Because there have been situations yeah. in the past where you can't actually get across the board because there's stuff in the way. Mm. Yeah, back in the day when you could like summon those of Wildwood around him and just trap him. <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, technically, <laughs> technically, you can just walk up and along it. So I get, I get why that is from a game point of view. Just kind of in a real world point of view, it just seems a bit weird that you've got this, you know, unit of um, I don't know, Empire handgunners halfway up the side of a mountain. But you know, obviously, they probably bought their uh, their mountaineering equipment. One thing that has caused a little bit of controversy is ward saves. Now, I don't know about you, Andy, but reading the core rule book. A ward save was a ward save was a ward save. Any ability that negated wounds, you could only have one of. That seemed fairly clear. The new yeah. FAQ seemed to have opened a new can of worms on this, <laughs> where abilities that negate wounds um, uh, after they've been allocated are now not a, um, a ward save, because a ward save is only when they get allocated before they get allocated to a model, which seems really weird and... What? I don't know. So so the exact wording is, in section 14.3 of the core rules, ward saves are made to negate a wound or mortal wound before it is allocated to a model. However, many units in the game have abilities that trigger when a wound or mortal wound is allocated. Can I use these abilities that negate 
allocated wounds after a ward roll? And the answer is yes. Yes. So we were chatting about this the other day. I can't think of many off the top of my head that do that. Do you, can you think of any? Yeah, I mean, most Nurgle demons have disgustingly resilience. Um, and then obviously all of the death stuff has the Deathless Minions um, ability. And then there's a few spells and stuff that do um, a similar sort of thing mixed in there. So there are a few out there. Um, so technically under this ruling then, if you had a great and clean one with a, with a ward save, they'd get to make their ward save before the wounds are allocated, and then they'd get to make their disgustingly resilient save after the wounds are allocated. Yeah, which I think as the newer battle tomes come out, those sort of abilities, they'd just put them up as ward saves rather than as the abilities that they are. Obviously, like using Maggot King as an example, they're still a first edition battle tome. Mm. Um, so it's obviously to do with the wording and stuff. But yeah, I imagine going forwards that disgustingly resilience might be um, a five and ward save um, instead, at which point, you know, things like the Amulet of Destiny won't work. Um, but I think this FAQ is just to clarify how it's going to work in the meantime. Yeah, which is a funny situation. And making this even more confusing, immediately after it, they talk about units that have bodyguard of, uh, um, effects, which technically, as written, work kind of outside that allocation order. Uh, but they've clarified that those units that take wounds for other units, you use instead of a ward save. Which I love this. I think this is possibly my favourite change in the FAQ because it stops units like... Croak and um, Andraster. Yeah, yeah. So Andraster's got a four-up ward save, but p- before this FAQ, you could stick her with some Praetors, and if she uh, failed the ward save, she could then pass it over to them on a three-plus. Which made her, in some ways, too survivable. Mm. I mean, you look at Croak, Croak's got 18 wounds. You put a 100-point Saurus guard next to him, and he's effectively got 28 wounds. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and you know what, with the Praetors and Indraster, there's still a benefit of putting them by her because it just ups your ward save, essentially. Mm-hmm. And then with her ability to bring back dead models, she can use them basically as a reserve of wounds. So, yeah, it's. Um, I know some people have, have not been too happy about those rulings, but I'm sure there'll be some clarity in the next FAQ that comes out. Yeah, it does seem a little bit like they're confusing something that didn't need to be confused, but I, I, can, I can see the benefit to them um yeah just maybe could have been a little bit better clarified and one of the biggies for um path to glory and we'd actually reached out to sam pearson about this back back at the launch of the game but um units that have a wizard in them but aren't necessarily wizards for example all of the lumineth don't count as wizards for the purposes of your wizard allotment within Mm. path to glory frustratingly what they haven't addressed is whether they count as wizards for the purposes of getting additional spells out of the core rulebook because the lumineth hasn't been faq'd there's no real answer to that question because no. previous white dwarf articles have suggested that no the unit isn't a wizard just the guy is a wizard they don't have the wizard keyword so they don't get it yeah and i it, think I, that's right and I've, I've always thought you can't you can't have it both ways you can't have them not count as a wizard for wizard allowance in path to glory but then at the same time get spells because one guy in the, the unit's a wizard so yeah that that one 
hopefully the uh, the Lumineth updates maybe just stray and comes up, or you know, there's a new book on the way that spells that out properly. But yeah, they were the they were the biggies. Was there anything that you uh, that caught your eye, uh, Andy, on these? Um, no, I think from the generic ones, it was mostly just the reward saves that um, sort of caught my eye, um, and especially the the bodyguard rule. Um, there's one or two um, like the objective. Um, one it says if an objective is placed on the border between two territories, is it considered to be within both of them? Um, because some of the scenarios you gain more points for um, controlling objectives in your territory. I think there's one or two battle tactics which are you have to take an objective off your opponent that is not wholly within your territory. Mm. They, they just clarified. Um, you know, does it count as being between both of them, or does it? You know, they, they've um, ruled that basically um, the objectives don't count as being wholly within both territories. Um, okay, that makes sense. So, uh, and yeah, uh, apart from that, it was mostly just um, yeah, just for ward saves for me. Yeah, um, and then like I say, all the battle tomes have got updates. So I'm going to go through all of them, but I just want to call out some of the ones that I play. So, um, obviously, I'm a big fan of Archeon and his uh, ever-chosen list. And that's had quite a change um, in this one. Something we've seen across all of the armies is that a lot of units now get the elite keyword, which means that they can issue commands to themselves, which is great. So there's a lot of units in the game that, that didn't have a champion, so couldn't issue commands and... We played a game, when was it, last week, Dave? Um, yeah. Ever Chosen versus Uruks. And in mid-game, we, we kind of... The only people who could really issue commands were Archeon and the Gaunt Summoner. And we kind of said, well, it seems a bit strange, because technically the Varangard are units of Chaos Lords, but they couldn't yeah. give themselves commands. Well, that's been yeah. fixed now. A lot of units like that, so uh, off the top of my head, uh, Dragon Ogres and, and Varangard and a few, I think Trogoths maybe, a few of those other this, kind of like elite units have been given this elite keyword so they can now issue themselves commands, which is great. Quite a few in the Bone Reapers as well. Uh, Immortus Guard, Stalkers and the Morgas are all now elite. Yeah, which which makes sense, doesn't it? Because uh, they are the elite of the elite for the Bone Reapers. So, yeah. yeah. So it's I not like, fair like that, that, that one guy, one guy in a um, uh, mortis guard unit, just a, your basic um, troop can do a command ability, but your big Morgas can't. Just doesn't make well, sense. This is it, it. For, for slaves of darkness. Your unit of marauders can issue themselves a all-out defense order, but previously your unit of Arangard couldn't, which just seemed really weird. So I'm really yeah. glad they fixed that. Um, the other thing that's changed now. Due to the way the rules interactions work, Archeon's ability to make their opponent reroll sixes was a little bit... It, it didn't really gel with the new edition because technically, if you've got multiple things that happen on a six, the person whose turn it is determines which of those go into effect, which isn't really the kind of, um, I guess, the intent behind Archeon's rule which was basically to get rid of all those sixes. So mm-hmm. instead of having that, they reworked it, and instead, once per battle, it's minus one to hit Archeon. Right. Which is a lot uh, simpler. 
Yeah, and it's until your next hero phase as well. So uh, arcing, obviously, you can see the future as well. So you can set it up so that um, your your opponent has is got has got minus one to hit for two battle rounds, essentially, mm. making him a, a bit more survivable. So you're still going to get hit by those you know mortal wounds on sixes and stuff. But if you time your once per turn ability right, it's going to be harder to hit him in the first place. So again, that's pretty cool. Outside of that, for my other armies, um, Soulbite Gravelord's got a few changes. One of the spells that wasn't used very often, uh, Vile Transference, has had a bit of an increase. So previously, you rolled um, half the number of wounds of the enemy unit, and each six you got back a wound, which is really cool. Um, they've, But obviously, one in six is, is quite a low you know, wound output where now you roll all of the wounds in the unit. So if you're fighting a unit of, I don't know, 30 Uruks, have they got two wounds each, Dave? Yes, they have, yeah. So you'd be rolling 60 dice. On average, you can get 10 wounds back. That's amazing for a vampire lord on zombie dragon or something. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. So, um, yeah, a few little tweaks like that. How about you guys? Anything that you've um, that's affected your armies? Not massively. Um, I did notice the Caradrons have had a couple of changes. Uh, one which is um, quite interesting is, so the Caradrons obviously don't have any wizards in their their book, um, but they have a spell. In, they have the spell in the bottle, which has a you pay the points for an endless spell, and uh, an Efa chemist can basically like a Pokeball throw this spell in a bottle and unleash an endless spell. So one thing that's been clarified in the FAQ is if you have an endless spell in your army that, that has been cast through a spell in the bottle, you do not have control over it, which makes sense because it's not a wizard bound to the spell. So if you stick, I don't know, Ravnax Nashing Jaws in a spell in a bottle and, and, and cast it using a spell in the bottle, you're not going to be in control of it. It's going to be like the wild between players. Yeah. yeah. It becomes a wild endless spell. Yeah. It basically, yeah, yeah. Which makes sense. I mean, that doesn't really change a lot of... Because um, I know a lot of Caradron players still use stuff like the um, the Vortex from the Skaven that once, you, once you've once you used it, it stays there. Yeah. Um, so obviously that's that's unaffected. But you might see less Caradron players using predatory endless spells because they won't have control over them. See, some of them you can be quite clever with. Like the, um, the Pendulum just goes in a straight line. So it's not going to yeah. affect your guys. Um, yeah. Obviously stick the wizard hat on them and uh, they get the wizard keyword don't they yeah yeah that's right um but they wouldn't control that endless spell they would do it for a wizard but they didn't yeah cast it. yeah I, I think i'd probably have to rule with dave on that one because they didn't cast it i've uh, got you oh, they didn't yeah. cast the spell yeah, yeah but then arguably so if you it. gave them if you gave them the wizard artifact you could take an endless spell anyway couldn't you a generic yeah one? you could and yeah. just cast it yeah um, obviously the bonus of the spell in the bottle is you don't have to cast it so on a an endless spell that's got a high cast like the vortex from the skaven you, you just you just get it automatically yeah, uh, when you use the ability yeah absolutely i mean frankly uh, that would never be an issue because no self-respecting dwarf player would ever give themselves an artifact to make them a wizard <laughs> this is true this is I true was tempted. Lose... i was tempted <laughs> you I mean, did lose know, all but... your uh, dwarf privileges if you did that <laughs> um but apart from that the orucs didn't get any changes obviously they've got um a, a book on the way so that makes sense um the skaven 
had a couple of little changes, although I think one of them for the Vermin Lord Warps here, which, because um, when he's got his, his Scry Orb, that used to give him uh, re-roll once to save. Now it gives him plus one to save rolls instead, uh, and he still gets the once per battle. He can throw it and do a load of mortal wounds, but then loses that save bonus. But I think that was actually in the previous FAQ. I'm sure I've read that before, um, but it was in purple in this one, so maybe they've tweaked it slightly. Um, but apart from that, I didn't really notice any any major changes for my armies. No. Uh, yeah, I mean, from I'm trying to remember what armies I've got now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a while. Um, I mean, I think the big changes, obviously, um, Osiot Ben Reaper's got a bit of an update um, in terms of how Relentless Discipline works. So um, previously it was similar to uh, command points and stuff where, um, or command abilities where you could only issue the same one uh, once per phase. Um, now with Relentless Discipline points, different units can issue the same command ability in the same phase. So if you had two units of Mortec Guard, they could both shield wall. Okay. Um, but the same restriction of a unit cannot benefit from more than one command ability per phase still um, is still in effect. Um, so you can't shield wall and then use the Leech Cavalos's ability to give it like plus one attack, for example. Mm. Um, but it does allow um, the Bone Reaper player to do like an unstoppable advance. Um, which just adds three inches to the movement. Previously, you could only do that on one unit. Now you can do it on as many as you like, or as, you know, as many as you got relentless discipline points. Um, and same thing with shield wall. Um, so that's quite exciting. Um, I mean, my bone reapers have taken a little bit of a break because I'm paying up all these orcs, but um, I, I would really like to get my bone reapers done to 2,000 points before the end of the year. So seeing how that FAQ sort of um, changes them and affects them, it's going to be very interesting to see. Um, mm-hmm. The Ogres, the only big change for the Ogres was the change to mount traits. So now they've ruled it that a hero cannot have more than one mount trait, but most importantly, you cannot duplicate mount traits in your army. Whereas previously, you know, we, we used to saw see um, Metal Cruncher um, for Ogres, which was unbelievably powerful if you spammed it and took multiples of it. Now you can't do that, which is fine. You know, I think there's um, one for the Flesh Eater Courts with the Terror Geist, where you get to re-roll your bite attacks and fish for those um, sixes. sixes yeah. yeah, so... That's the only big change um, to the Ogres. Um, uh, Disciples of Zinch. Um, I mean, we've hinted about it a little bit, but um, Pink Horrors. I've got a new War Scroll, which uh, yeah. I think it's probably the third or fourth um, time they've changed the War Scroll. Um, yeah, and it's a bit of a big change, isn't it? So, so they're no longer Wizards. Which is good. Uh, which is good, yeah. When you purchase the unit, you pick whether they've got the, the spiteful rule, where when they die, they do mortal wounds to nearby units, or they split and split again. You can't, like, pick and choose now. Um, if you choose them to split, they essentially uh, aren't affected by Battleshock. So models that split do not count towards models lost for the purposes of Battleshock, which is good because, I mean, you, you, you just, you know use a, a command point or 
hope for the one to get a load of demons back but um essentially it just means that it's a big 50 wound blob that you have to remove each model individually and put two models down within an inch of that model um so if unit formation wise you could limit some uh, blue horror placement potentially because they've got different size bases um the banner has changed somewhat so previously it brought models back if you rolled a one there's now a ruling on the pink horror profile where if you choose them to split you cannot bring models back so you can't bring them back with the banner you can't bring them back with bella cause rule you can't bring them back with the new command ability basically once they're dead they're dead um what the banner does instead now is generate some of the summoning points for you which is cool yeah which right. is much better than it was previously because previously they were just a wizard if they had 10 or more models i think mm. it was so you might cast a spell and you might get a fate point now you pretty much get a fate point and you haven't got to worry about all that um shenanigans with you know all I've rolled a one. I've got D6 horrors, pink horrors back, which then split into more blues and more brimstones. They, they've really streamlined the pink horror war scroll because I always, with my disciples of Zinch, um, I've only got flamers as my battle line at the minute and I've always been a bit hesitant um, to put some more horrors into my list just because I didn't want to struggle playing with those models. And yeah, now it was a it was a little bit of a negative player experience. You've faced those horrors, haven't you, Dave? I think you faced them in Bellacore's oh. region, where not only was the role of one on the banner bringing them back, but Bellacore was bringing them back. And then obviously in third edition, you could bring them back with a new uh, command uh, ability. I I don't know what how you'd stop them if they didn't change this ruling where you can't bring models back. Yeah, it was it wasn't just that as well, Matt. It's when you had. Um... In your ever-chosen list, you could summon them using your... Um, go on summoner. Go on summoner, yeah. And then you'd have this unit, and they'd split and split and split. And then, oh, look, I've got some pink horrors back. And suddenly, like, the unit just grows and grows and grows. And it's like, I don't know what to do with them. Like, and the more you kill, kill them, them the more hit. problems you're creating. You've got to wipe yeah. out the unit or not. Because if you can't, and I have still got that pink horror with a banner left, and then he rolls a one and gets potentially a load of horrors back, and it just escalates, doesn't and it? And you can't ignore them because the great at grabbing objectives and stuff, so you've got to deal with them. So but thankfully yeah. they've toned down a bit. They haven't changed the points value. Now, we were saying, arguably, they're worth a lot more points splitting than they are just doing the, I forget what it's called, petty squabbling, whatever the rule is. Yeah, petty vengeance, yeah. I, I mean... I think they're what, like 220 points at the minute, something around that region. I think if they had said, you know, a unit of pink horrors that has the petty vengeance rule is 120 points, but a unit of pink horrors that has the split and split again is 220, then I think they've 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 done a fantastic job, and I don't think you really need to change anything with the pink horrors after that. But yeah, it was quite surprising to see that they haven't changed the points but then if you go out and buy some pink horrors but you don't buy blue horrors you're not losing i mean you are still losing out it's obviously better to have blue horrors and brimstones but you can still play with your models yeah and arguably if you don't take the blues you can keep bringing them pinks back hmm so yeah it's been some isn't it yeah but other than that 
I mean, the only other armies I've got is Corn and Nurgle, and the only real updates they got were some um, slight changes and clarifications to um, coalition units, which, yeah, I've got 30 Chaos Warriors, which I bought to have as battle line units for my Disciples of Zinch, which I can't use as battle line units, so I'm um, sad. Yeah. Um, one before we finish on this point, one thing I want to shout out is uh, units of man crushers. Every man crusher can now do a different monstrous ability when they charge in. Really? Oh. Hmm. Yep. Each individual monster can do one. So you've got three of them charging in. You can do three of those abilities on a unit, which is really cool. Yeah, that is interesting. So that is that's a man crusher mob, isn't it? Which man crusher, well, yeah, because I think because the ruling is each monster can do a, a monstrous uh, uh, rampage. Obviously, you've got a squad of three monsters. Each of those guys, they've got to be the different ones, and obviously you can't duplicate over the army. But in theory, you could, I don't know, roar at a unit, stomp at a unit, and smash to rubble in the same turn. Oh, hmm. that is interesting. Now, obviously, you know, realistically, all you're going to be able to do is stomp and roar unless you're near another monster or or near a terrain feature. But that's still pretty cool, being able to do those mortal wounds and shut down command abilities. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those those ones, um, I mean, especially on our our game we played the other day, um, picking the right monstrous ability in the right location... Um, and I think as you know, playing Sons of Bear map, that's one thing that I'm going to have to think about because um, in our game, it was like, oh, I can't stomp Vorgoroth. I can either Titanic Duel or I can Roar you. And it was kind of, okay, well, yeah, which one do I do? Which one do I benefit more from? See, the, order, the order mattered for us as well because we both had big yeah. monsters. Obviously, what you pick might determine what I pick as well. So there's a bit of back and forth too. Yeah, so I... Well, I am surprised that it is that each of the models in a unit of man crushers can do it. I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna be that bad, if that makes sense. I mean, arguably, you'll be using those on your mega gargants rather than your man crushers, anyway. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, it's an option for for players now. So. So yeah, let us know on Twitter your thoughts on the FAQs. Um, Hopefully we'll see these a bit more regular going forward. They've been pretty good on the whole, haven't they, Games Workshop? We're putting these out. I think uh, Sigma's been a little... I think people were expecting this a week or two ago, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's just um, maybe other things have delayed it a little bit. Yeah. It's been the year of delays, hasn't it? Or the couple of years of delays across the board. But now some cool changes. Yeah, A I lot more answer questions than unanswered questions, I think. Yes. Yeah, I think overall I'm... Um... I'm really happy with the changes that they've made, especially to, um, uh, I say, to ward saves. Um, I think that will get better as more battle tomes and stuff come out. Um, I'm super happy about the bodyguard rules, the mount traits, not being able to duplicate them, you know, that sort of stuff. And obviously, like you say, things like Varengard getting elite status, you know, realistically, they always should have. So yeah. this FAQ, yeah, I... I think overall, I'm I'm pretty happy with it. Uh, that wraps up that chat about the latest Age of Sigmar FAQs. We do have another mini segment coming up before we reach the top threes. So we're going to take a pause and come back with that. 
we did chat last week about Old Bailey, uh, the first Warhammer animation that we got to watch, uh, thanks to a special um, preview that Warhammer Community put on. Um, but we've now had the pleasure of checking out the rest of the content because Warhammer Plus is now live. It went live last Wednesday. Um, it's home to, I think it's four animations, um, some Citadel Colour Masterclasses, Battle Reports, Warhammer Vault, um, and other tasty stuff. So we've now all had our hands on it. I think it's safe to say between us we've seen all of the content, guys. Is that right? Yeah, yeah I, I think so. I've rinsed, I've rinsed the entirety of the content over the last couple of days. Excellent. So what we wanted to talk about um, this week is basically our general thoughts about Warhammer Plus. You know, is it worth subscribing? What have we got on the horizon? What are our favourite bits so far? Um, so I think what we'll do is we'll tackle each sort of section um, and sort of have a bit of a roundtable chat about it so i think the the main draw to warhammer plus for most people are the animations of which we've got three hammer and bolter episodes and then we've also got angels of death so matt do you want to start us off what what, what were your feelings and thoughts on the the, the warhammer warhammer animation side of things so uh, well as i said in the old bay episode last week i thought the animation looked a little bit cheap if, I, if I'm being perfectly honest, the, the the character animation, the backgrounds were gorgeous and the, the stylings of it was gorgeous, but it looked like it could have done with some more, you know, frames of animation. And these are hand-drawn animations, so having more frames costs more money, doesn't it? So you cut some corners by having, you know, limited frames. Um, but that, in turn, cheapened the look of it a little bit. And you, you, and, you and Jay were like, oh, I think it's a stylistic thing based on the kind of 80s vibe they were going for. First thing I think it's worth saying is that that same, while they've got different visual looks to them, the same uh, quality of the the character animation seems to be the same across all of the Hammer and Bolter episodes. Okay, isn't it? So would you agree, Dave? Yeah, I would. I would agree. Um, I'm thinking maybe this is a Hammer and Bolter thing, but yeah, no, I think you are right. Um, It is more noticeable as well i think in the episodes that um they've added since old bailey um but i don't think it detracts too much away from the enjoyment of the actual episodes themselves no. so uh, yeah so while while i knock the the, the, the character animation again the, the the stylings of them and the backgrounds and everything else was amazing and personally i thought the two episodes on there uh, death's hand and bound for greatness were really really good i thought they were better than all bailey different different vibe to them different types of stories and this is the kind of stories that i wanted to see in um warhammer plus stuff that we don't necessarily know about because you know we old bailey i guess we kind of know the story already don't we where yeah. those two other episodes it was a little glimpse into a little slither of the uh the 40k universe and yeah i thought they were excellent but both those episodes i thoroughly enjoyed more than i thought i would um, so if if the rest of Hammer and Bolter is like that, then yeah, I am fully on board. One little mark against it, though, is I need some Hammer, Dave. There's a lot of Bolter, <laughs> but there's no Hammer at the minute. Uh, yeah, that's that's right. I, I hope we see um, an Age of Sigmar episode land soon. I'd like to say the uh, Death's Hand episode in particular, I really enjoyed. Maybe it's because we've got Assassins and Inquis- Inquisitors. That could have been a big uh, swing for me. Um, 
I think you're right, Matt. I think the 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 Death's Hand and uh, I can't remember the name of the second one now. Um, are, are better than Old Bailey, but uh, that doesn't take away from the fact that Old Bailey is still really, really enjoyable. Um, I've not yet had chance to get around to watching Angel of Death yet. Um, I believe you two have. Yeah. yeah. So we're going. Do you want to lead on this one, Andy? Yeah. So it it's obviously a different setting, a uh, different style of animation to um, the is it the anthology, the Hammer mm-hmm. and Bolt anthology, mm-hmm. um, and obviously sets the scene with um, the Blood Angels, um, which, again, you know, for me personally, they're like my favourite Space Marine chapter. So seeing them um, is really cool. Um, And we really, like I said, we get a glimpse of what the 40K universe is like. Uh, We get to see, you know, the Space Marines do what they do. We get to see, you know, the fact that they are, these you know they're not like they are on the tabletop they are elite you know there's not thousands and thousands and thousands of them there's only a handful of them um and yeah the the episode was without spoiling anything it set the scene i think that's probably the best way to say it um the story was interesting enough to hook you in um it, it definitely feels like it's been set up for, you know, multiple episodes, whereas with Ham and Bolter, each episode is kind of like its own standalone sort of thing. The pace is much, much quicker. Um, but, yeah, looking at the, the Blood Angels, um, for, for me personally, I think if they focus on sort of like one story at a time and then they have like these Hammer and Bolter episodes, which are sort of like almost like filler episodes, um, I think that will will really keep me going back and and getting engaged into the story. Um, And yeah, the the Blood Angel one, I think, was, like I said, it was it set the scene, the first episode. uh, And I'm very interested to see what they do going forward with it. Yeah. Angels of Death, again, different, different stylistically. And again, I thought it looked brilliant visually, very kind of. Uh, he's kind of got that black and red colour scheme. It's very, very different, isn't it, to the stuff in Hammer and Bolter. Uh, and, yeah, I agree with you, Andy. It's a bit of a, a slow burner of an episode rather than action-packed. It looks like episode two might be where the action kicks off. Yeah. And I guess, like you say, the advantage that it's got is that over the entire series, this is probably a feature-length show that's been cut into 20-minute chunks. Yeah, it... It it really reminded me of the um, the Ultrine movie they did a few years ago, mm-hmm. um, and that again once um, if you were to split it into twenty minute episodes, it'd probably be like six seven episodes. Yeah. Um, and again, there was a lot of build up in that film for a very climactic end. Um, so yeah, I I think with the with the Blood Angel story arc, it's going to be. It's going to be interesting to see. It's it's really difficult to review it without spoiling anything. Yeah, uh, I I think I think we're expecting it to go one way, and I think it might pull the rug out from under us. Yeah, I mean the Warhammer previews because they did a small clip, didn't they, um, on the Warhammer previews where you see a ship battle um, of the Blood Angels fighting against Tyranids. Mm-hmm. So we know the Tyranids are involved somehow, some way. Um, 
but yeah, it, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought it was good. Um, I like I said, I'd like to see more, more, more Age of Sigma content to it. But those the four the four 40k shows were good. Um, personal favorites: Death's Hand and Bound for Greatness. I think are my top picks. Yeah, Death's Hand uh, definitely for me, and I'm looking forward to watching um, Angels of Death. That's that's next on my watch list. Uh, one part of um, Warhammer Plus that I really enjoyed um, is the battle reports. So mm. I went, it was one of the first things I went on actually was the Necrons versus Ultramarines battle report they, that, that's on from, from day one because obviously I'm, I'm going to be painting Necrons for the next sort of seven days. Uh, one thing absolutely jumped out was the absolute quality of the, um, of like the overall editing of these battle reports. They've, they've been shot incredibly professionally. You've got multi camera setups, you've got pop outs, you've got a really in-depth ui that's going on during the the course of the battle the way that they kind of narratively tell the story of the battle to camera as the sort of playing clips of the of the battle i mean matt you have to edit our battle reports um and the reason we one of the reasons we we jumped to streaming was the amount of time that went into editing i mean how long compared to like when you edited our battle reports how much longer do you reckon it takes them well, to edit we, these? <laughs> we, we we had we had we had a single camera, no kind of visual overlays and stuff like they had, and it take us about four hours to record an average battle report, and it probably take me the best part of a day to edit that down into something that you can consume. They've got you know we've got multi multi angle camera on the um, on the actual battle, along with a a top down one for the main action as well as a dice tray, as well as all the overlays and stratagems and rules pop-outs and all that cool stuff, as well as cinematic shots of the armies and establishing shots and stuff. And then on top of that, it looks like um, uh, Nick and Patrick would have played through the game and then they would recount it in like an interview style and they splice it together, which I thought was a really nice way of doing it because it feels like you're... you're I don't know, sat in Bugman's talking to that player about the game rather yeah. than when... like us and other other youtubers you tend to kind of like talk through the action don't you but mm-hmm. it doesn't let you script it that way because you're doing it off the cuff so yeah i i thought it was really really good it must take it must take an awful long time to put i mean they're only hour-long videos but it wouldn't surprise me if it takes a day to film each of those yeah. it's um it's really nice like it, it, they, they kind of talk in detail about a, a lot of what like us veteran players would would know but it doesn't feel like the kind of baby steps like anybody new watching a Warhammer battle and anybody old watching a Warhammer battle they would still take the same kind of enjoyment out of it uh, it was still a very enjoyable watch and the same goes with the Age of Sigma one as well Um I, I really enjoyed that Andy I think you've watched the Age of Sigma one yeah I've watched the Age of Sigma one but not the 40k one and like you, like you said the, the quality is is second to none um you know the scenery is there the models are there you know it's absolutely gorgeous and the players you know they took you through their sort of mentality of what they were trying to do and why they tried to do you know x y and z um i think there's in the age of sigma one there's a turn where nick charges some annihilators into the kill boss because he's you know he's scared of a kill Mm -hmm. boss and he wants to get rid of it um and he wants to to deny um Oh, I've forgotten the other guy's name now. Is it Jacob? James? Uh, Patrick. 
Patrick, yeah. I wasn't even close, was I? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wanted to deny him his grand strategy. And when they were doing that interview part, you know, he was saying, if I can make this seven inch charge and get into his kill boss and kill him, then I'm already three points ahead in the game. And, you know, just seeing that sort of mentality and that, it, 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 all it did was infuse me to, you know, play games and, and do it. Yeah. And, yeah, seeing the, seeing the battle report, how the players sort of interacted with each other, you know, there was, um, there was, enough banter between the players that you got that sense of what it's like to play a game you know i mean obviously we we haven't really been to events in almost two years now but you know going to the table that's what you want you want the other person opposite you to be smiling and enjoying themselves as much as you are enjoying it as well and exactly. good chemistry it's a basically experience yeah. isn't it yeah and i i really got that while watching that battle report and then like i said when they sort of uh, end of the turn and they, they sort of do a recap and they go oh you know winning priority was massive you know this is why this is what i did oh you know nick using redeploy you know i didn't see that coming that really you know messed up my plans and stuff like that you know seeing all that sort of stuff coming together it was really really fun to watch and i think a lot of other battle reports because they're filming it live there and then, they don't really stop and go, okay, these are my options. This is what I'm doing. This is my mentality. This is, you know. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was really good to see. Really good to see. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to more of these coming out. I just hope they come out at some pace. I mean, at the end of this section, we'll talk about what's coming next week yeah. and my thoughts on like value and stuff. But I, I think they are the best quality filmed battle reports I've seen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, really, really good. Um, another section, keeping it sort of TV shows, is the Citadel Colour Masterclass, which unfortunately I don't think me and Andy have got around to watching yet. But but Matt, you've you're not you've not let us down. I believe you've watched this. I have. I, yeah, I, like I say, rattled through everything over the last couple of days, and this was actually one of the first things I watched on here because I was interested in seeing how they'd step up from the um you know the entry level uh videos that they've, that they've been putting out um both videos were excellent uh louise was had a really good style to it um they didn't they used more advanced techniques so so louise was using a wet palette she had a few graphical overlays showing you kind of color bands for the face so the 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 midsection of your face is is redder it's warmer because that's where all your blood vessels are whereas you move down your face it gets colder so you use kind of glazes of those kind of hues to make a face look realistic mm. and it oh, wasn't well. too much of an overwhelming video it's only like 20 odd minutes long but goes into you know quite some detail and i would say following that any person would be able to do that you're going to you know, have some patience and do it but i think anybody could follow that video and, and replicate the face that she's painted Okay. And as a reference material for painting faces, it's really good. I've got Malaga on my shelf, and I'm going to be copying because I've always struggled with face. And I've, uh, one of my um, New Year's resolutions this year was to try and push my painting where I can. And you know, I really tried on on Horace's face to get that right. Um, but seeing the kind of like science behind it, and and a video showing you step by step 
what areas you need to be focusing on i think that's a massive help likewise the second video that she had up uh for blending i actually used on my stormcast today it's only a simple one blending from white uh, white into gray but again goes through the science and and why you're doing it rather than just giving you the steps without the the background behind it makes it easier to apply it to other things so yeah i i thoroughly enjoyed these and i think i'll be like i say that that will be the first things i watch each wednesday as new stuff goes up um as way of you know picking up new skills and moving out of my comfort zone and getting better at painting basically so yeah i thought both of them were, were really really good um did you you saw some of these andy did you um i've not watched any of the painting videos no um i, I mean i'm i think as more stuff comes out and more content comes out i might look at it a bit more um but when it comes to faces i'm very much a rack off flesh gullum and flesh straight over the top kind of guy um i mean if they brought out like an orc flesh one because again like at a minute i'm gonna be painting some orcs and stuff then yeah i'd probably jump into that but how did you find um did you find that these painting classes differed to the warhammer youtube channel at all yeah they did they did so often watch a lot of the stuff that she's does in it there's like four or five layers so what they'll do is she'll do the first couple on camera and then they'll have a split screen showing like the fourth or fifth and fifth and sixth just to show the difference to stress the importance of take your time multiple thin coats um where you know sometimes though normally on the on the, the youtube ones they'll go through each step step by step where this one it kind of leaves it to the viewer's own you know intelligence i guess uh i'd say definitely aimed at a more established painter but i don't see any reason why anyone wouldn't be able to follow that and paint an awesome looking face so yeah i was really really impressed with them it's worth saying as well obviously these are the kind of like headline items on here but there's also some other video content on there they've got a citadel color series with basic techniques like how to base color how to dry brush how to use contrast paints how to build models which um it's a nice little resource for people i think they're all on youtube as well but uh, it's good that they're all here for people new to the hobby you know uh, we, we had somebody ask on the um on the stream the other day about about dry brushing the realm of battle board and it's it, it's hard to get across in writing it's easier to show somebody in video form isn't it it is yeah so absolutely so it's good that they're there as a little resource. What they've also got on there as well is a whole series of learn to play for every single system that Games Workshop currently does as well, which is really good. So if you're, if you're thinking about playing the game or you've just started playing the game, they've got uh, videos that go through the kind of like concepts with nice, like again, nice graphics, all very swish looking. Uh, and then finally, they've got all the cinematic trailers for the recent stuff they've done as well. So the 40K one, the Age of Sigma one and the recent Kill Team cinematic trailer. So, yeah, the the, the unannounced stuff on there is pretty cool as well. Mm. Excellent. Uh, one of the uh, section we can touch upon is the Warhammer Vault. So I believe we've got every issue from last year of White Dwarfs available. So right. on the vault, on the vault, we have got, and I must have closed my screen with it on, on the vault, we've got every episode, every issue from last year, we've got every single issue of Warhammer Visions, 
and then we've got a collection <coughs> of um supplements and um uh, kind of like law uh, stuff in there as well now what they didn't make completely clear when they first uh, announced this was that the supplements so they've got the gathering store and they've got sanctus reach all that kind of stuff it just contains the law doesn't contain any rules content in there which yeah, i guess makes sense because you can't use them with the current game but i was kind of hoping that we'd see stuff like gork morka but I feel that if we got that in the vault, it'd just be the lore from Gorkamorka rather than the gaming content, which makes sense because they might want to revisit again in the future. But it is a shame that it's not the entire book. Yeah, especially with those like campaign supplements with like where there's battle plans set up for the kind of battles that take place during those campaigns. It would have been nice to, even if you had to as the player, adjust the rules slightly for the new edition of the game, you could mm. still make use of them. That would have been fun. Yeah, so I mean, having the law there is really good, but uh, yeah, I'd have, I'd have liked to see the rules content as well. Um, yeah, so I've had a bit of a, a bit of a dabble with this as well. Uh, image quality really, really good. It looks like it's the original like masters for them rather than somebody sat there scanning them in. So I guess you know, obviously, Games Workshop have got the resources. They've probably got the the original files for all of these publications, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, I thought that because I was flicking through some of the White Dwarfs. Uh... And, and it was really good. I mean, I, I'm fortunate to get rid of quite a few of mine because of space. So it's nice having these here because every now they, they do put out some really good articles in White Dwarf. Take the Tome Keepers for a perfect example. Um, the tomb, the Tome Keeper contents across about three issues of White Dwarf, uh, and you've got them all here, including like the full index Astartes with all the rules and um, painting guides for them. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's a really nice resource tool. And even yeah. the um, Flashpoint series, I, I noticed they started, um, I think Flashpoint series started in January 2020, which just happens to be the, the furthest White Dwarf they've gone back. So it's nice that all that Flashpoint series is in there, because that's one thing that I, I always liked the idea of, but I missed one or two issues. Um, so, uh, yeah, having that resource and being able to go back to it is is really interesting. Do you know what I would like to see, but I don't know how they would do it, is I would like to see a search function. So if there's something in particular you wanted to see and you couldn't remember what issue of White Dwarf it was in, you'd be able to search for it. Yeah, I was about to say exactly the same thing, Dave. That'd be really good. Uh, Because you haven't really got descriptions either. It's a case of just clicking on the issue, then you're straight into the magazine, aren't you? Yeah, you've basically just got the front page, haven't you, Um, to to kind of go from. So that's what I would like to see. well, I, I, I'm aware, obviously, that's probably quite a bit of work, but um, that'd be really, really cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, stepping back a bit, how was your experience of signing up to Warhammer Plus? Because I know a lot of people online had some issues doing that. I had some issues, but I found out where my issue was. So I was obviously I was in work when the, the thing went live and I thought, well, you know, I'll get in there quite early. You know, but one of the first members that's always cool uh even though it means absolutely nothing um and it wouldn't let me do it on my iphone um and it kind of transpired that that's where the issue was it was it was, it was a problem with the browser uh on on iphones they, they they weren't working so if you tried a different browser you were you were absolutely fine um so once i got got around that it let me fill in all the details but it kept telling me that there was nurglings in the system 
I was like, there's been nurglings in the system for a little while now. Uh, anyway, that's that's where the issue was. It was because um, I think it was actually my local store manager um, who, who told me that, actually. Um, so I tried a different browser and, yeah, first time, worked. Mm. See, my, I've had um, only a slight issue, um, but I, like you guys, signed up for it on the Wednesday when it came out. Um, and it all seemed to work fine it was a little bit frustrating that i had to rely on um twitter to find out where to go for warhammer tv and warhammer vault and all that sort of stuff but then when i tried to link the 40k app to my account on my warhammer um it for some reason unsubscribed me now yeah so i can still go to warhammer tv and i can still watch all the videos and all that sort of stuff but when I go on to like Warhammer Vault um, and stuff like that, it won't let me view anything. Um, and then it keeps saying, oh, you know, subscribe to Warhammer Plus and you get your free exclusive miniature. Well, obviously, I picked one of those when I subscribed initially. So, um, yeah, so I've, I've still got a slight issue with that. But I'm going to contact customer services tomorrow and I mean, Games Workshop are known for our customer services. We're out, you know, we're out of this world. So, I'm, I'm, yeah, the situation probably resolved. But, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit annoying because, um, obviously, you know, we've, we've paid for this subscription. And um, like you guys, I'd, I'd love to go back and read one or two of those White Dwarfs. And yeah. at the minute, it's, yeah, it's, it's playing up a little bit. But, again, you know, it's it, it hasn't even been out a week yet. So there's always going to be some bugs in the system, which are probably going to get ironed out at some point. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it it's not going to it's not going to deter me from subscribing next year, um, as long as it can get resolved, which I'm sure it will. So, yeah. yeah one thing that got me is, I mean, I I had no issues signing up, but I followed the step by step guide that that Games Workshop had sent us. So, for disclosure, we'd got sent a couple of codes for a month free. Uh, we, we've all signed up for a year anyway, but nice, uh, nice to have a month of it free. But um, as as part of that, they, they sent us step by step instructions of exactly what to do with flow paths for if you're already a, a 40k subscriber, if you're a brand new subscriber. It surprised me that they didn't seem to have those instructions on Warcom. Because I think that would have solved a lot of the issues people were having because you had to go actually go into your My Warhammer account and upgrade it from there if you were an existing um, 40k app subscriber, where it wasn't very clear in the in the comms that they put out on social media compared to the really detailed info that we got in the, uh, the email from them. Um, yeah. And I, I really like the system. Um, one criticism I've got is... Why is Warhammer Vault and, and Warhammer TV two separate websites? Just have it on the same website. I don't yeah. know if that's got anything to do with the app because obviously, like the Warhammer TV app's got none of the Warhammer Vault content on it. Well, this game, they could, they could, surely they could integrate the two and have both of them on one app. Yeah. I, I imagine it's because the TV side is run by a third party, I imagine, where the Warhammer Vault stuff's probably sat on their server. Yeah, that's, that's why true. there are two different apps and two different websites to access it. But when you sign up, even on the Warcom page, it doesn't say go to Warhammer Vault to get this or go to Warhammer TV to do that. You had to do a bit of hinting, hunting in the back end of uh, your My Warhammer account to actually get the links. Yeah, yeah, that's true. 
even if it was just a a my Warhammer kind of front end Warhammer Plus front end, and then from there you went into the two individual sites. I mean, that's a minor gripe, but from a from a usability point of view, one thing I also not keen of on the website is that you can't watch it full screen. I can't see a way to watch it full screen anyway. If, if anyone's found that out, then uh, I do apologise. But um, as far as I can see, there's, there's there's no way to make it full screen, which is a little bit frustrating. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, I, I'm I'm a big fan of um, of what they put out. I just hope they keep the releases consistent, which I think ties in a little bit into you know talking about what's coming out this Wednesday. So there's going to be new content yeah. every Wednesday, and it looks like we're going to see what's coming on the Sunday pre-order post, mm. which I kind of expected because we see what's going to be on Warhammer TV. Uh, you know the the, the, the um, uh, hobby streams and stuff, so it makes sense for it to live there. So this week so on the 1st of september we're going to have a new battle report blood angels versus orcs i think matt we discussed off recording that we'd have liked to have seen one new 40k and one new age of sigmar every week but now that we've actually seen the content that they do kind of makes sense if they only do one a week and because it must take them a while to to do but so bear in mind they'll have produced this content a while ago though they're not frantically making it the week before it goes up so i i'd argue mm, you you probably could get two episodes on yeah uh we've got a new uh uh, citadel called the masterclass painting black power armor for those death watch fans out there I'm sure there's other Marines that are in black, but they're the best ones that count. Um, you've then got, going into the Warhammer Vault, the Curse of the Wolf and Supplement, and the first three issues of White Dwarf from this year, um, which yeah. I thought was pretty cool. You also get one more show, Dave, Angels of yes. Episode 2. Yes, I was, I was coming on to that, disappointed that that's the only animation going on. Uh, I'd hoped to have at least seen two. Um, so that gives us, that gives us three three videos and four documents basically mm. i mm. don't know it seems a little bit on the light side to me yeah i'd have liked to have seen at least another animation i'd have liked to have seen two what about you andy uh yeah i mean i was expecting another hammer and bolt episode and another blood angel episode um i, I think one battle report a week that's fine i've got no issue with that um, the painting tutorials and stuff, uh, again, one a week is, uh, I would imagine that they would put out a little bit more. I, I think the pace being quite slow at the minute is a bit, mm, yeah, it's not it's not great. But for me, looking at it, if you look at this site as it's animations, but then it's White Dwarf. Um, you know, if you look at it in that side, it's not just a streaming service. Then, for me personally, you know, one episode of Hammer and Bolt a week is is fine by me. Plus, if if I'm watching Hammer and Bolter, I'm not painting these orcs. So this is true. This is true. <laughs> yeah. So add the vault in particular. I you could easily add, you know every every white dwarf from 1997 or you know something random like that, some old stuff and drop a load of stuff on there and that makes it seem a bit more value yeah we uh-huh. get some recent white dwarfs which is cool to see but I, th- I think it does need a little bit of quantity on there as well yeah they were always going to space them out as much as possible work they need to 
because it's guaranteed content every week, you know, it's easy to dip into some white dwarfs and put them on there. So uh, I am expecting them to kind of they'll, they'll slowly go backwards until they'll probably get to a point where maybe white dwarf was created in a different fashion that might make it harder to. I mean, we're probably talking really old issues of white dwarf at that point, but um, yeah, I think there's enough. There's enough. That. There's enough stuff where they've probably got the original files where we could probably get it a little bit quicker. But then I guess if they're dropping stuff every week, they want to spread it out. Yeah. I mean, from a value for money point of view. Um, what do you think then? After after a week and after knowing what's coming next week, and that's I'm going to guess that's the kind of release schedule for every week. Then an episode of an animated show, a couple of episodes of of Warhammer plus originals plus three or four things in the vault. So over the course of a month, that's what twelve twelve shows and what sixteen digital things per month. You know, when you look at it like from that viewpoint. And the amount that we're spending on this service, actually, I think that's okay. And maybe it's just it feels less because you're not getting as much a week. But then I suppose you're forgetting it's a weekly edition. You don't you don't get weekly editions on Netflix, do you? Um, you tend to come on a month by month. Stuff comes mm. on, stuff comes off. So actually, now you've just worded it like that, Matt. That sounds like better value for money for me. Yeah, yeah I mean, mind that we get in a miniature as well. And if you signed up by tomorrow, you get ten pound gift voucher as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, it's what like one pound twenty five a week, roughly, yeah. and you get eight weeks for free. So looking at one pound twenty five, that's you know, basically the cost of what two Fredo bars nowadays? <laughs> two Fredo bars. We're seriously breaking it down into value per Fredo. <laughs> so when you look at that, you know, just watching the two battle reports, uh, I, I think I get more money out of that. Yeah. yeah. And I, then you've chosen, and it's like, okay, yeah, that's amazing. I, I agree, and obviously, uh, if 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 you come to this in like a month or two. There's quite a stable of, of videos there. Then mm. it's I'll be interested to see what the pace is for the for the further weeks. I thought week two they might have a few more bits, but obviously we haven't got any Lawmaster. It'd be interesting to see if that is in addition or instead of some of the other content. Yeah, so you're thinking maybe they'll skip a week of battle reports or. Uh, call the master classes to bring in an episode of Lawmaster. Yeah, I hope they don't. I hope they don't, but it wouldn't surprise me if it's if we're talking three or four shows a week plus three or four issues or something a week. Like you say, one pound odd a week for that it doesn't seem too bad considering you get your miniatures and stuff as well. Um, all the stuff I've seen, but by you know the little caveats I've got on animation quality on Hammer and Bolter, I think everything's been everything's been excellent. I've not been disappointed with the first week of it. No, it's been very good, very good. And it's only in its infancy as well, so obviously as time goes on and goes into its second year, it'll be really interesting to see what they do, because um, they're obviously going to be working on more animations, um, taking on feedback of, of what people are, are enjoying uh, and going from there. So, yeah, it should, uh, should be really exciting times on that front. Uh, let us know on social media if you have signed up and what your first impressions of the service are. Uh, what your favourite bits, what bits do you think could be better? And what would you like to see on the service? We are getting towards the twilight of this week's show, but we do have our ever-present top three coming up next.
So it is time for this week's top three. And for this week's top three, we're going to be talking about our three favourite models that we are most proud of. So these could be conversions, painting, maybe how they performed on the tabletop. Um, quite a broad uh, choice for top threes this week. And I'm going to start us off um, with a highly, highly controversial third choice, guys, because technically he's not even finished yet. <laughs> it's like preempting that i'm going to be really happy with how this guy turns out uh, and that is my kragnos so um this third slot was hotly contested because there's there's quite a few models that i could have picked in its place um if i had to pick one that was completely and utterly finished i think it would have been my um ogre tyrant um i was really happy with how he turned out and he really made me want an ogre more tribes army which i will do one day uh, I just keep getting sidetracked by other stuff. Um, but my third choice has to um, Kragnos, because I think even looking at him now, I, I'm really happy with how he's turning out. Yeah, he's looking and, good. Uh, I can't I've wait seen, to get I've seen a picture come through on the data slate, Dave. Yeah, well, really um, good. I've uh, I've done a couple of bits since the uh, painting stream that I thought I'd keep hidden until this part of the show um, to, to reveal. Um, I've been doing a bit of work on his, um, his shield and uh, his hooves and stuff so really really happy with how he's going and i can't wait to finish him and i'm sorry for cheating <laughs> that's good i think you're going to um be doing the, the teeth and the tongue and his nose piercing and everything as well once you've kind of done and, his, and his and his ears pierced his ears are pierced as well, his pierced as well. Some, all the piercings yeah his, his weapon needs doing yeah that's that's going to be a variety of colors i've got some dry brushing on there um i've still got some of that armor to to do i need to wash some of the metallics there's still quite a lot to do but um i'm hoping to have them done this week between necrons uh so yeah matt what is your third choice so like you say this is a really hard one um so i thought okay well, let's go through the theme that i had for, for this year's um resolution and then focusing on improving painting so for number three i picked bellacore because i am really happy with how this guy turned out um black models are, are, are hard to paint <laughs> and get look get looking convincing with the highlights and everything uh, and to, to be fair on this one i just followed peachy's guide so you know, all the credit to peachy rather than me i just i just followed the instructions <laughs> but i'm really really happy with how it turned out and i think i've done the model justice yeah you have he's an incredible model i love his wings and his sword on your uh, bellicor as well they look so good cheers Excellent stuff. Andy, your third choice, please. Uh, so my third choice was my first big model, you know, similar to Kragnos. Um, I think a good monster, a good big vehicle, that sort of stuff really draws the eyes to an army. And for me, going way, way back into um, just when Age of Sigmar sort of uh, just came out, I painted up um the glockin um i bought him back when in the glockin end times book came out sort of built him up but i never really did anything until age of sigmar came out and yeah but built him up painted him um and it was the first model that i painted in sub assemblies just to try and make things a bit easier um it was the first model that i started adding things like slate and schools to the base um, and just just sort of um, trying out new things on that model 
um, for me, really set a precedence for what I want all my other models to be. Mm. Um, and yeah, looking at the Glockkin, um, I'm, I mean, you know, painting up the Sons of Burma, I'm a, I'm a sucker for big monsters now. Um, and yeah, the Glockkin was my first. So yeah, it'll always have a special place. Yeah, excellent model as well. Stands up today, doesn't it? The Glockkin. Uh, against all these other big monsters. Yeah. Excellent choice. Uh, we're round to our second choices. So mine is uh, a real like favourite miniature. So the reason he's in this top three is because not only did I enjoy painting him, um, but I absolutely adore using him on the battlefield. And I don't think he ever really massively disappoints. And that's my Oruk Megaboss on Moor Crusher. Hey. <laughs> so I, know I that guy. Yeah, he's um he's he's so badass and I, I can't wait to see how his rules have maybe been tweaked in the new battle tome. Um I love everything about the model, I love painting it. Um if I were to go back now and get another one, which I, I probably will do quite soon, um I think I could probably paint it even better than I did the last one, in particular the Oric on top. Um one thing I do want to do to my um, more crusher is I need to do something with his base because his base is quite boring and bland, and I think I've moved on from that. I need to to jazz it up, but he's he's actually just fallen off his base, so um, <laughs> it gives me a chance to to do something with that base to make it a bit more interesting. Uh, either that, or I might buy a new base for him. But um, yeah, he's absolutely my second choice, uh, nearly my first choice. But yeah, love love that model. Uh, Matt, what is your second choice? So my second choice has got to be the War Master himself, Horus Lupercal. Oh, uh, yeah, so you, so you guys, um, you you and Jay got me this for 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 birthday and Christmas this year, and um, spent a week or so painting him up. Took my time. Like I say I wanted to kind of practice painting faces, painting black armor. There's lots of difficult parts on Horus. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm making the base look natural um, and I'd not long had an airbrush as well. So I was, I was able to play with that. And um, yeah, I think it is, it is very nearly made my number one spot because I'm so happy with how he turned out. Um, I just need to use him on the battlefield soon, don't I? Yeah, he's an incredible model, Matt, especially like you say the, the the face that you did for him is is outstanding um and i really like his base as well which um you can kind of overlook with such a detailed model but his base is stunning as well yeah i'd i'd, I'd, I'd love I'd, costs permitting i'd love to get all of the um horus heresy collector series because they're stunning models and i just want to paint them all yeah i was gonna say i'm i look at them the same way and I've always wanted to pick up Perturabo ever since he came out just to paint him. I think he's one of those models that, you know, being in the the character series where I'd love to spend just, you know, a couple of weeks, even months, you know, painting him up. And, yeah, Mm -hmm. looking at your Horus, I think you've done an amazing job on that. Thank you. Yeah, that looks outstanding. Uh, Matt, your – not Matt. Andy, your second choice. So my second choice – is a little bit of a cheat um it's something that i've been working on for a very long time it's uh something that has definitely tested my patience um <laughs> it's it's something that i've really poured a lot of time and effort into 
and that's painting up three mega gargants. Um, <laughs> like when they were announced, um, I quickly fell in love with them. You know, they were absolutely amazing. They were huge, big, stompy monsters. But it wasn't until I actually got the kit that I realised how detailed they all are. Um, especially I mean, the kraken eater yeah i mean the, the kraken eater i had to do um a slight conversion on um the net just because i i glued it all together and when you glued it all together it makes it incredibly hard to paint the details inside so i sort of did a little bit of a conversion to make it look like he's throwing the net on someone rather than carrying around a bag of stuff in the net um and then the um the boat that goes on his back if i put the boat on his back he wouldn't actually fit into my um my really useful storage box that i've got all my guides <laughs> in so i had to leave that off unfortunately but even so the amount of detail on them was it was so nice and when you finish it 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 feels like you've painted a 500 point army you know i've been painting, yeah. i've been painting the bone reapers up and painting 600 points of bone reapers felt like less of a challenge than painting up one mega gargant but seeing them on the table the other day playing against you matt i was just like this is why you know i've been painting these guys for almost a year now and seeing them on the tabletop i was just like you know what i'm so happy they're done because now i can I had the uh, the pleasure of playing against them. You've done a cracking job on them. You've got you've got the three the three man crushers, the three mega gargants, one of each. Really, really good work. They look so good. Yeah, and skin tones for me were, were always one of those big issues. So when you're looking at the skin tones for you know a hundred and twenty pound model, you don't really want to mess it up. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, try, I, needless to say, I tried to. Um, some skin tones off on some spare models before I jumped into a mega gargants. But yeah, looking at them now, yeah, I'm super happy with them. Excellent. Yeah, really good second choice there, uh, Andy. Uh, we're round to our top choices, and for me, my top choice could only be one model, and that was my Demon Prince of Nurgle for my Death Guard. Um, so I was super pleased with how he turned out. I did an ever so slight conversion with him i used the plague drone wings to give him um some wings which i think uh, worked really really well and um, did steal that from somebody uh, on the tinter webs um, but i was really happy with how that turned out and and what really was the icing on the cake as well is it got featured on warhammer tv with nick and wade um which like when you know i've never i've never claimed to be that great at painting but i like you know i i know i have improved over the last couple of years and to have a model on that show even for just like a moment was like a real big hobby achievement for me you know it was quite touching i I really like that um and and for that almost alone i like yeah this model is is always going to be part of my collection he's always going to be leading my death guard um I know, I know the actual fine cast model itself comes in for some stick, but I actually quite like it. I think it's quite Death Guardy, and um, yeah, I'm really glad I picked it up. Awesome, yeah, he looks, he looks really good. He attempted to get to add. I've always said you should do a Nurgle Demon Force. 
Yeah, I would. Do you know what, Matt? It's one of those projects. I've always wanted to do a Chaos Demon Army that I could use across both formats, both Age of Sigmar and 40k. And every now and again, like, you know, I'm at the moment I'm in a bit of a Thousand Suns kind of zone. So I'm like, I'd love to do a load of each demons. But next month it might be, I'd really like to do a load of Nurgle demons. And the month after that, it might be like, I want to do a load of um, uh, corn demons. I just, I just don't know which one to settle on. But I think, <laughs> I think you're right. I think because I really like my Death Guard army, um, I think it's probably the best painted army I've got. Um, maybe those are my Necrons. Um, so I think I, I do suit painting Nurgle. So maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe when the new Maggot King book comes out, maybe I should do some Nurgle stuff. Yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, Matt, what is your top choice? Well, that segues quite nicely into into mine as well because I've got a bit of a soft spot for demons and chaos in general, as, as you guys know. Um, and it was it, again, it was really really hard. This was it. Um, Fire Slayers, Fire Slayers got uh, nominated for for best painted at a GW event. Volgarath just for a big impressive model. My Reaver Titan it was it took me about a month to do, but so pleased with how that turned out. But I had to go with with a, a particular model for this one from the from the you know making me the most proud, and that has to be my Forge World Exalted Great Unclean one. Um, I've had this model since Warhammer Fantasy times, and um, when I painted it, it, it even got into the pages of White Dwarf. So yeah, for that, cool. for ticking off that achievement of getting a model into White Dwarf, it's got to be the great and clean one. Uh, I picked up the the, the the new plastic one, which is actually bigger than the Forge World one. At the time, he was like massive compared to the metal one, <laughs> where now he's 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 a bit dwarfed by the new the new one. So I am looking forward to. Um, trying to replicate the scheme on the current plastic one but yeah it's um it's it's still one of my favorite models as well yeah uh, it's one of those that i'd never be able to get rid of no he's a really cool model um so iconic of forge world as well um and when um i don't have you guys seen the trailer for the demon hunters chaos gate game yes yeah 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 the, the Great Unclean one that appears in that, it, it reminds me more of that Forge World Great Unclean one than the actual plastic one, I think. Yeah, Maybe I'm alone so in thinking that. Yeah, <laughs> he does, doesn't he? Um, so, so yeah, he's it's, it's a really cool model, Matt, and I love playing against him as well, as frustrating as it can be, because uh, he never <laughs> dies, but he's a, a really cool model. I'm surprised Archeon wasn't in that top three, actually. Archeon, Nagash, I thought the Mega Gargan that I did in like two days. <laughs> and there's a lot of things I'm proud of, but yeah, the the uh, great and clean one had to pip him to the post. Excellent. Andy, do you want to finish off our top three with your top choice? So my top choice was really, really hard. Um, looking back over all the models that I've painted... I'm quite happy with a lot of them. Um, but for me, the, my my first choice, and this is, again, I'm cheating here a little bit, is my Blades of Corn army. So a large amount of the models are made up of stuff from the original Age of Sigma starter box. And it wasn't until lockdown last year that I actually started to build them all and started to try and get paint on them. And... You know, I think they've been setting my backlog for what must be almost five years at that point. And 
getting the paint on them I sort of um we rewarded myself you know I'd paint five blood reavers and then I'd paint a Korgoroth I'd paint uh, a mighty lord of corn and then I'd paint some blood warriors you know and, and that's basically how I did it but because we didn't have any events going on and we, we didn't have that time constraint or that deadline to to get to with the army I was really able to spend a lot of time layering the armor um so like my blood warriors for example I'd spray the model Mephiston red um I'd wash the red armor with like Reichland flesh shade and then normally I would just dry brush it red because it was nice and quick and easier to do um but without any time constraints of going to events and stuff I was able to sort of sit there and and layer up you know I bought myself one of those um red grass wet palettes um specifically so that I could sort of layer paint up without having to worry about it drying up especially in the summer Mm. um and again like experimenting with um flesh um with my ogre army I did um like bugwings glow with a wash and then I layered uh Cadian flesh tone was a similar sort of thing with my corn army um and I found that because I wasn't having to paint for an event I could really spend that time on the army and now with my blades of corn I look at it now and I think to myself it might have taken me five years to get to that stage but now it's at that stage I'm super happy with it and I've got you know I spent the I think it worked out about seven weeks painting it all up. I've got to that stage now where I've got 2,000 points. Okay, it's mostly just battle line stuff, but now I can start jumping into the army with bloodthirsters and wrathmongers and score crushers and all this sort of stuff. And I think I touched on it a few episodes ago, but the thing that I would love about the Sons of Bearmat and having that army done is now every other army I play for Age of Sigma, I can... I can paint it to that standard. I don't have to worry about painting it for an event. You know, mm-hmm. I can always fall back on the giants. And yeah, the, the, the corn, I really spent a large amount of time really developing my painting skills. Um, I started using a lot more technical paints. You know, it wouldn't be a corn army if you didn't have a load of blood for blood god on your paint. So, um, and even thing, you know, sprucing up the bases with some slate and tons of scores like i think i went through an entire box of um warhammer scores um and you know i i even came up with the idea of as silly as it sounds instead of just gluing the score to the base i would file the score at an angle and glue it to the base so it looks like it was buried in in the ground oh, cool. you know just stuff like that and again because i didn't have an event to worry about i, I had that freedom of 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 doing it and now when i look at my blades of corn i'm super proud of it so and i know it's a cheat but that that was my top choice that's cool that that sounds really cool andy and you just hearing you talk about your blades of corn makes me want to start a corn army this is my problem with chaos (laughs) um i can't i can't seem to settle on a on a on a on a god uh, apart from skaven um which which i will eventually finish Excellent. Some really good choices there, guys. Um, I know from seeing some of your models that that must have been a difficult one to pick. It certainly was for me. Um, It'll be interesting to see what the community have chosen as we wrap up this week's show with the Community Top 3. 
and so we're into the final segment on this week's podcast it's time to read out the community top three choices we've got a couple over on facebook this week brett heather the new abaddon model it's the best i personally have painted uh, and i'm not like great great at painting but one that i'm very proud of brett don't be too hard on yourself you you're you're a very good painter and that new abaddon model is is awesome i think you've got that sitting waiting to be painted as well matt i have yeah i uh I need to paint. Well, obviously, I painted the the thirty k one, but I need to do the forty k one to match it. Maybe after watching Louise's video on how to paint black armor. Mm, there you go. Uh, and Peter says that the most effort I put into paint into a paint job was Canans Reapers for Warhammer Underworlds. Uh, he's done a really good job. He's posted a picture of them. They look uh, they look fantastic. And I actually need to um, paint mine as well. I got them all built and undercoated, but um, never got round to painting them because um, they might be the warband. I use if we finally get around to having a game, Matt uh, and Andy, mm. uh, in the near future. Um, what do we have over on Twitter, Matt? So over on Twitter, Anonymous Rex says, my Death Guard Plague Marines. Uh, my Plague Crawler, first vehicle I painted and think it turned out nicely. And my Ogroid Myrmidon, first time doing a creature mod where I ended up putting a lot more effort as I kept finding details I wanted to highlight. Yeah, they look really good. I think, Dave, you'll probably pull a lot of these images for the uh, the podcast post. Where, yeah. Absolutely will, yeah. Uh, Wargamers Retreat, conversion-wise, my Chaos Warpsmith and my Corn Berserkers. They look ace. Uh, Painter wise Bellacore. Pete Allison says, that's a tough one. Mm-hmm. So his uh, Ideneth Soul Render, he painted for a store competition, was picked by a mate, completely random, painted over three evenings. Uh, his Ogroid Myrmidon, I painted for last year's Community Armies on Parade, Pit on Parade. So if you don't know, a lot of people did a Community Armies on Parade where they did a big Necromunda board and um, people painted lots of random models and they put it all together and they won a prize. Uh, number one has to be his Pephorion, doesn't it? So if you don't know, Pete won a Golden Demon for his amazing uh, Pephorion, the, the big knight. Yeah, it looks like it was in Warhammer yeah. World for a while as well. Uh, Average paints as the Necron Void Dragon, such an epic model and a blaster paint, all the glowy effects on it. Uh, a Chaos Knight Despoiler, fun to kick, stick Chaos bits on a big model. And Primaris Azrael, fun conversion, a beast on the table. Eric Dacus says, I really did converting firstborn characters to having crossed the Rubicon Primaris. Most proud of the Emperor's Champion, Asmodai, and a Watch Captain. Only got around to painting the Empress Champion just in time for the new one to be announced. It looks really good, though. It really does. does. Uh, George Lowe says, Foul Blight spawn with the little grenade carrier. Uh, The Lord of Contagion in a custom pink scheme that I then replicated for 15 Blight Lords. And uh, Mortarion, for whom I follow Duncan's full guide. He was a monster. Yeah, Mortarion's an amazing model. You haven't picked up Mortarion yet, have you, mate? I still still haven't, no, and I really... I love the Death Guard. He... He would finish off my army. Amazing. Um, uh, Styathy Minis says, has to be these three paint jobs. Uh, but Astalia Stain was a kit batch I was really proud of too. Uh, in in the images, we have got um, Fulgrim, the Primarch of the Emperor's Children, looking amazing. We have the Lion himself looking equally amazing. <laughs> And yeah, I really like the uh, is that the conversion with a with the jump pack and and an axe. Yeah, some really ace Horus Heresy era models there. Wargamer Steve says it's got to be the Void Dragon, Mortarian, and Zeras. Yeah, Illumina Zeras is a is a tough model to do, and you've done a great job of it. As is that Void Dragon. I love that green. Yeah. Uh, 
And Orlando says, uh, my Coronas Grav Carrier, it's a shame Jay's not here, bit of a cheat, but my twin Keepers of Secrets, which were painted at the exact same time, and number one, my Labour of Love, a custom house Ibo Strastis Knight Lancer, whose armour plates were swapped with the Knight Atropos for that extra Mechanicus look. This thing looks gorgeous. Mm, it does. It looks so, really, so really nice. Oh, I want to paint some knights, Dave. And finally, and finally, we have a we have a message for young Jason, who's who's messaging for I don't think the first time. His top three models are his Constantine Valdor, the Avalonor, the big the big cow god for the uh, for the for the Lumineth, and number one, Alariel. Yeah, his Alariel is absolutely superb, isn't it? Um, yeah. Really, really nice. I'm not surprised that's his number one choice, but yeah, uh, it's a really good choice there from Jay. Yeah, I think he's done an utterly amazing job on that <laughs> Avalonor. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, Jay. <laughs> I think we should swiftly move on. Uh, Matt, what is next week's top three? I can utterly believe these puns that I can <laughs> Um Next week, we want to know your top three start collecting or combat patrol sets. With with the Orc one being such a good value, we need to know what the community thought were the best three ones to pick up for either starting or expanding an army. So you can get your choices in early via uh, social media. So you can tweet to us at Spruce and Brews or head over to facebook.com forward slash Spruce and Brews and post your comments on there. Or alternatively, on Sunday or Monday, we will pop a post up asking for your top three choices. So you'll be able to just pop them into the comments and we'll read as many out as we can on the next show. So uh, it's been another fun week, guys. Um, I've got so much hobby to do over the next seven days. I'm really looking forward to going back to, to the Mecca, to Warhammer World. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to I'm gonna put in an extra amount of effort to try and get this Orc army done just for the epicness of Warhammer World. Orcs, Necrons, Bellacor, Grey Knights. I can't wait to, to sort of talk talk about the day uh on the podcast which will be not next week it'll be the week after when we get to, to talk about how that, mm. that how we get on um but we will be back next week with another show jay will also be returning so uh, yeah until then have a great week of hobby and we'll speak to you all again very soon bye bye, bye. thanks for listening to the spruce and bruise podcast for more content remember to check out spruceandbruise.com and if you'd like to get in touch with us send us a tweet at Spruce and Brews or head over to facebook.com forward slash Spruce and Brews.